Welcome back, Chalk Line Talk Podcast listeners. I am your host, Bo Wills, alongside my co-host, Will Summers. We'll say hi. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's been a minute since we've been on. Uh, had to kind of take last week off. Busy week with baseball. Busy week with school. Sorry we couldn't get something out to y'all. Uh, but here we are this week. Um, we'll be sure to have another one out for you guys next week as well. No matter what, we'll get one out to you. Um, fun episode today. We actually have a really cool guest, Kevin Brown, um, who works for Masson, which is the broadcasting company of the Baltimore Orioles. Um, had him on the last version of the, of the podcast. Great dude, funny guy, uh, big big baseball guy. Also kind of friends with Jason Benetti. Um, you'll see some similarities. They're, uh, they're both very cool guys and um, very happy to have Kevin on today's show. Talk some Orioles, just talk some baseball. We'll have a little bit of fun with him too as well. So uh, great episode with Kevin. We're also going to continue with our division previews. We're going to hit up the NL East. So we've done AL Central, NL Central, AL East, and we're going to go finish off the East Coast with the NL East today. Some guys to look for, all that good stuff. And then, uh, yeah, we'll do another Players is Food segment as always. Can't beat it. Love it. We'll, we'll uh, let that wheel rip a little bit and uh, have a good episode. So, Will, uh, any thoughts on today's show? Um, Pretty boring week in the world of sports, I'd say. We got the Super Bowl coming up this week. Honestly, we want to talk about the NHL All-Star Game. I think that every other major sport should try to base their All-Star Games after that. I, was, I don't know if you saw any of it, but it was very exciting to watch. I didn't see any of it, no, actually. It's sick. They do like a three-on-three tournament for the basically their All-Star Game. Like They split up all the, the teams by divisions, and they do 3v3, and like they're high-scoring games like 5-2, to two, and they're competitive and fun to watch. So I think a lot of the All-Star Games, I can't really say the MLB one because that one's still pretty competitive, but the Pro Bowl is just really not interesting at all. Like I, don't, I didn't watch a lick of that. They did like flag football. I don't know if you saw any of that, but mm-hmm. the NHL does a great job. They've been, they did like a draft and everything. They've just been changing the game of all star games, but we do have the Super Bowl to look forward to this week. I still have not decided on who I'm riding with right now, but if I had to pick one right now, I'm a Philly guy. Yeah, man. I don't know. This is, this is probably one of the bigger toss up Super Bowls that I like. No, like literally. Even last year with Cincinnati and LA. Cincinnati was like, oh, you know, you want Cincinnati to win. But everybody kind of figured, like, this is the Rams will lose. Right. Cincinnati would just kind of be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they won. I get the the exact opposite feeling. Like, both of these teams deservedly can win the Super Bowl. Exactly. Can win the Super Bowl. And you have to pick a side of, like, do you pick Philly's defense? And the fact that like they can get to Mahomes and Mahomes has kind of a rough ankle and that like that all time good pass rush like are they going to get to Mahomes and make it really difficult or is is he just like is he just Patrick Mahomes like is he just right. that dude and there's he nothing is that, that they can do to stop like and he is that dude he's the top five like quarterback of all time I think you could say that right now like I think yeah. like he's already eclipsed that. Like He's going to win another Brady, title eventually, too. Like, that's just almost guaranteed. Brady Manning, Brady Manning Montana. Breeze, maybe? And then, like... Breeze is pretty good. Maybe? 
But Breeze won one Super Bowl. Yeah. Right? Like, there's definitely. Mahomes, Mahomes yeah. already has a Super Bowl. I don't know. Right? But he's. Like, he's the whole, up there the whole for thing sure. thing with Mahomes coming, coming into this year was like, okay, no Tyreek. You know, like, let's see if he can do it. And, like, obviously, he saw his Kelsey and they went and got Juju and stuff like that. But, like, here's the big test, right? Like, you go into the Super Bowl, you're going against a team that has better weapons than you. You go mm-hmm. into the, the game with a team that's a better defense than you, has a better offensive line than you. Like, in every other aspect, the Eagles are the better team. Can you just 100%. go in being that guy? And, like, if he does that, legendary status. Legend, like, legendary status. It so is weird, know. though, because I, there's a, this is the f- first time in a while that there has been a Super Bowl that is very evenly matched. I feel like every mm-hmm. year there's at least one team that you're like, okay, they win, I won't be surprised. But obviously it's a Super Bowl, anything could happen. But, yeah, I would have to agree with that. This one should be pretty good, pretty evenly matched. I just hope Mahomes and Kel- Kelsey are healthy just to make it more interesting because yeah. they're not 100%. I think the Eagles defense just dominates them. And like two super like likable quarterbacks too, like Very even likeable. though it's so easy to hate on dynasties and like hate on hate on teams that are like really successful, like it's hard not to like Mahomes as a star. Like he's so opposite of the Rods or like the Rogers and you know like even Brady the, who like the league is for like sure in good hands. Like the yeah, so I I re- I I really want it to be Mahomes because I want I want like for the rest of. Mahomes' career, I want to be able to see, like, the is Mahomes going to be better than Brady? Is Mahomes the GOAT? Is Mahomes on track? Like, I want to see that stuff. And I think having two at what? He's, like, 27, right? Like, he's 27. Yeah, very young. Like, All 25, sudden, maybe. Now, like, you can, no. you can yeah. reason. Yeah, you can reasonably make the argument, like, okay, like, he can get to six or seven, and all of a sudden now he's in. Like, he has a chance to get to six or seven, which puts him on pace to be right there with Tom. So. The league yeah, is definitely in good hands. Gonna, you know what? Just yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna go Chiefs. I'm gonna take the Chiefs. Riding we got the we got, we got to talk about the goat too. Retiring yeah, Tom Brady. Tom too. Yeah. Like, Posted a, a picture on Twitter in his underwear too. So he's living the single life now. He's retired. I'm happy for him. I think it probably took a big weight off of his shoulders. He's taking a year off. He's gonna spend time with his kids and everything. Just after all the drama that happened, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm a, I have nothing against Tom Brady. I think he's been great for the game of football. He's the goat quarterback. So I've never had anything against him, and I'm happy for him. I think this retirement will just be a weight off of his shoulders. I feel like he should have retired last year because of how this season went, just with everything going on, the divorce, yeah. all that, and just to get eliminated in the first round wasn't really a great season either. But no, I'm happy for him. He's going to be joining Fox in 2024. I'm excited for that. One of the best football minds. But yeah, people were selling his retirement sand up to 90 grand on eBay. Yeah, saw, if you saw that, saw don't know who would want to spend 90 yeah, grand on that, that. But someone memorabilia. Like, <laughs> those people are crazy, dude. They are but it would crazy. be cheaper to just go there, like buy a plane ticket, and just go and do it yourself. But why? When you if you have the money and you remember the guy, like why? Why not? You know, like I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, all time like motivation type like story guy. Yeah, like yeah. for the rest of history, every coach, every teacher, every parent, like I bet you don't even know the story of Tom Brady. He was he was a he was the sixth round pick and became the greatest of all time. 
so you can do it. Like, I hope they all time, like, crossing all sports, crossing right. all walks and ways of life, all time motivational story for anybody. So it's like he'll always, even if, even if somehow, some way, his football accomplishments get bettered by someone, I don't, it's, it's hard to believe, but he will always be like the motivational guy. Like, this guy wasn't expected to do anything. No one thought anything of him. And he's became the greatest of all. Like, so he'll, like, all time motivational story, like, will be used 100%. Right. Every time, like, a kid doesn't make a team or something, the parents are just going to yeah. be like, you know, well, Tom Brady was the. And Brock Purdy's definitely exact not that same, guy. Exact same as like Jordan stuff. Like Jordan yeah. didn't make his JV basketball team, which is a hoax. Well, no, yeah, no, he didn't make the varsity team, but he, he did yeah, make, he the made the JV team and just yeah. dropped like forty a game, and then got the pulled up on first of all time. He didn't make his basketball team. No, yeah, it was like he a freshman. The varsity team as a freshman, which is like yeah. what ninety nine percent of all high school athletes go through. Yeah, so, exactly. But <laughs> it was biggest hoax, but. No, yeah. I kind of forgot we, that was a story. That's so yeah, funny, I know, though. Big time I always, story. yeah. <laughs> I always, I hated that. Michael Jordan, yeah, no, yes, he did. He did make I just, the basketball. I just team. never believed that. Like, as a kid, I was like, I would always hear it and I would just be like, yeah, that's definitely not true. I'm just going to, it's not true. Like, he let just, that go. Like, he didn't make his varsity. Yeah, it's the dumbest story of all time. Yeah. But, and it sounds like a Jordan story. Like, let me make a story out of something that isn't true just to motivate yeah. myself. Yeah. Like, the ceiling very, is the roof. Yeah. The ceiling is the roof. <laughs> I wonder if he. Do you think he wrote that down before he said that? I don't. The ceiling is the roof. And like, and be like, hey, yeah, that's probably a good thing. That's a good motivational thing to say. This is exactly what I'm saying. The ceiling is the roof. All the energy in the world, like, jump, man. The ceiling is the roof. And everybody's like, what the? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What do you even say to that? I was like, when. Fergie was singing the national anthem. He was like, stop. Yeah, exactly. Right, you don't know what to do. No, just going, no, no idea. <laughs> Who do you think you are? I am. That guy's <laughs> awesome, though. Pete Weber. Same energy. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of that. I understand that. I feel like you just have to be at a certain point in your life to understand that quote. You just have to feel it. Who do you think I, you I felt are? that. I am. Exactly. They should do a, I should do like a... A 30 for 30? Analysis on just that quote. I want to see... Or just yeah, like random, random quotes in general, just like what they mean. Like that one in the the ceiling is the roof. Just do a little analysis on what they could have been talking about because nobody else knows. <laughs> it just makes no sense. And not not to get political, but like anything that Biden says in like the first like five words of a presser, like when he like I, I don't know what he said the other day, but I think it was like he was supposed to like three or he said listen to these two or America can be described on two words, and he goes made in America. Jeez, I saw he like posted a picture on Twitter of his like desk, and there was a script for his um like addressing the nation, and it said pause at the bottom, and some dude commented and goes, "Make sure you don't read the pause at the bottom of the page," and he got a bunch of likes. It was hilarious because I think he did that one time. It's awesome. Yeah, just political opinions aside, it's just funny. Yeah, it's not like when, no political affiliation whatsoever. It's just a fun, an objectively yeah. funny thing. Like when he fell off his Let bike, that was just objectively funny. <laughs> That's an objectively like any, funny. Anybody, anybody falling off their bike is funny. It's not just because it's him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> any, like, it's just an objectively funny. Like I, that's I hate that. Whatever. It's so annoying. Like just if it's funny, it's funny. Who cares? Like whatever. If it's funny, it's funny. When you say yeah, I have two words to say, that say and here, people are like, oh, you must. 
you're a Republican. You made fun of Biden falling yeah. off a bike. No, it's just funny yeah. that someone fell off a bike. It could be anybody. No, Trump like, fell off a bike. That'd be hilarious. Like, it's like it doesn't the, really like, matter. The, the same, <laughs> like the same thing when you laugh at some of the things that Trump said. Just like you just, they're objectively funny. Like I laugh at myself more than I laugh at like anybody else. Like I just use dumb stuff and I just sit there. I'm like, wow, I'm an idiot, and I just laugh at I can, myself. I, like, can, I can attest to that. You do laugh yeah. at yourself more than yeah, but. Like I mean, you just got to be honest. Yeah, just be honest about it. Absolutely. Just well, uh, yeah, not a ton of baseball it. news, so kind of ran long there about random stuff because baseball hasn't been the biggest news since the Hall of Fame announcement. Uh, but there's a couple things we're going to talk about here after we roll the intro. Well, what do you say? Roll it. Game seven of the World Series. Bases loaded. The game right now is at the plate. A lot of room in right center. The chance of a lifetime. Sitting on seven fourteen. She is gone. Line drive left field. Center field. The Diamondbacks are world champions. Makes the catch. All right, that was the intro, and the biggest news in baseball over the last basically week and a half since we've had a show was at the MLB The Show cover, which came out, and I mean, I I don't know, I'm not big, I, I play the game, I love the game, it's fun, it's fun objectively fun, uh, but I'm not really big into like the gaming aspect, like I'm not into that crowd, I don't really follow that stuff, I don't know if people thought it was going to be jazz. I, I sure that's not someone I would have thought would have been on the cover of the game in terms of the amount of stars you have right now. I didn't say I, stars and teams that are relevant. Usually you put those two together and that's where you find like your cover athletes for basically any sport. I didn't see jazz coming, especially he didn't barely played last year. He was hurt for a lot of the year. So I, personally, I didn't see jazz coming. I love jazz. Chisholm. I really do. Like, I think he's great for baseball. And I think that's a cool cover. I really do. I just personally did not see that one coming. Do you, you have any thoughts on that? Definitely not surprised. Um, very colorful, colorful player <laughs> in the MLB, which is what they look for. Since we're trying to make the game more interesting, I'm not really surprised about it though. But did um. What's the word? It sparked a lot of memes on Twitter, which was really funny. Like a lot of people photoshopping like Larry Garcia yeah. saying like the covers leaked, which <laughs> there was one that got me. I forget who it was. It was so stupid. And I was like, I had to do a double take. I was like, wait a minute. There's no I way. Love, I had to like, I look it up. The fake covers. I got duped <laughs> a little bit, but yeah, they're hilarious. Like I forget I who else they're, they were putting like a mere Garrett on them and stuff. Like <laughs> it's just so many fun. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not really surprised about it. I like Jazz. He's a good. He's good for the game. Colorful player. MLB the show has been doing a great job the past couple of years. Ever since they came over to the Xbox, thank you for that. And yeah, so it also says that Jeter was the on the alternate alternate cover, right? Yeah, I don't. I think it's like the. I don't like the exact it's like the like probably the like the special edition, like yeah, the like the, the eighty dollar one or something. Yeah, um, let me look that up. But yeah, Jeter's on that alternate cover. Uh, I mean, Jeter's not bad. I respect it. I don't think anything will ever beat that. Okay. 2K never missed with their covers, I feel like. They always had good ones. Yeah, well, well, they they had that Michael stretch for a while. That was just... Yeah, that was tough. 
think the, the Michael challenges and stuff. That was, I think that was peak 2K when they had like the Michael Jordan challenges. Right. You remember, you remember I remember those? that. Like, yes. Like, go score 60 in the garden like Jordan did or whatever. It was right. Uh, or like the flu game one. Like you have to make sure you hit like seven threes with Michael Jordan. That that game one was undefeated. But yeah, I mean, like I was I was very staunch on my opinion. I love Jeter. Like I'm, I'm number two growing up. You know, I, when I played shortstop and like I was big, like I that was like I love Jeter. Like you know, that's the kind of was kind of the guy like you we grew up on really. Like he was the star of the league. Um, but I think as advanced analytics have moved on, shown like Jeter was a very big product of the New York media, like big time. So I was very staunch in my opinion on Jeter not being a first ballot Hall of Famer. I really like maybe that's a weird opinion to have, but I. Didn't think he was a first ballot. Like, or not, not first ballot. That's wrong. A unanimous Hall of Famer. I misspoke there. He would, he should have been a unanimous in the Hall of Famer. Like, especially when they've safeguarded that, like, with Mariano and Griffey. Like, very, very, very elite. Yes. But I think Jeter's a very cool cover. Like, I like the way they did it. To, like, I don't know if you saw the picture. But, like, he's, like, in, like, the skyline. Like, it's a spotlight on Yeah, his, no, like, it, it cool definitely is. I think they're doing a good and job. And yeah, this was, this was, this I do too. And this like I think this was the first year that he can be in the game. Like there's like a rule where you have to be out of the game for like five years or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're and, right. And like, so he couldn't be in the game until now. So it's his first year being able to be in the game. So they're gonna make cards and stuff for him now. And him being on the cover, like that's a, that's a cool cover. Like I'm. I'm I have a like, I have a, a big. A cool cover. I have a big conspiracy theory. I just realized. Is there an MLB the, the Show cover curse? What'd you say? Tinfoil hat. Is there a curse? The year, well, two years after you're on the cover. Think about it. Tatis was on 21 and 22, got suspended. Javi Baez was in tw- this cover in 20, traded, career went downhill. Stand before him, arguably has not been as good as he was since he was on the cover. And then Donaldson before that, who. Obviously, his career declined after that. So, I don't know. Maybe there's a little curse on MLB The Show. At least there definitely is one since they switched over to Xbox because I think Tatis was the first one. So, (laughs) one for one. But, yeah. So, uh, hopefully nothing bad happens to him this year. Yeah. I don't want to even speak into existence. Damn. I don't know. There's that Madden curse, definitely. Something something to look out for. Yeah. And we'll be the show's a young game, so it's it's something to look out for though. Keep it on your watch. And there also were a lot of cool covers made from it on Twitter. Like people made like J Rod ones. Those were sick. They did make some very good ones. So that's who it was gonna be. Mm, They love the young guys. The fact that Tatis was on it is crazy. But like, look, like, look at the the new, like, Tatis twenty one, Shohei twenty two, like Javi twenty, like, still that was a pretty bold cover with Javi, and J Rod like Seattle's relevant for the first time in a long time, like made the playoffs. He's like the budding star in the league. Like I thought it was gonna be J Rod or maybe even like an Acuna, right? Like somebody young and relevant, like even a Lindor. Like I could have seen so many. I, I just. Miami isn't good. Jazz isn't like a 
you know, like a top tier star in the league. I didn't see that one. That's why I, I truly, if I had to pick one who I thought it was gonna be, I thought it was gonna be Leo Rodriguez, one hundred percent. That's where my money would have gone. Would have been Julio. But I also forgot that that Puig. I like Jazz. Puig was on a cover yeah, too, so Puig that that cover. plays into it a little bit. We had a cover. We had. Bellinger might have been. I don't think. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. Puig, oh, I just. Puig was. Puig was well deserved, though. I mean, that was crazy. Puig's early def- on was crazy. Oh yeah, but there's definitely speculation on a curse. I would oh, say there's definitely speculation. Yeah, I just looked it up, and there is a YouTube video about it. So, other people have definitely been thinking about it. Not crazy. Let's get some more info on it. Yep, confirmed. Not crazy. Yeah, that's like the big baseball news. The other big baseball news, uh, YouTube TV and Major League Baseball Network could not come to a agreement for having the rights to the channel being on YouTube TV. For some, that just like doesn't matter at all. I have YouTube TV. My family has YouTube TV. That's how we watch live TV. Not having MLB Network as a guy who has a podcast about Major League Baseball. Uh, an avid baseball watcher and fan who uses Elmi Network on a daily basis to stay up to date, like see people, like expert takes on the league. I'm I'm livid. Like it's absolutely ridiculous. How how do you not like YouTube TV is one of the biggest live TV providers in the entire United States now. Like it's not just like a random app that doesn't. It's not like whatever Sling or something. That's not something. That's hey, don't hate on Sling. It's one of the biggest. I'm Sling's saying, affordable. Biggest <laughs> I had, I had Sling for like a month. That's fine. Good for you, but YouTube TV is one of the biggest <laughs> providers of live TV in this world. Well, at least in the United States. And how do you not have your MLB network? It's absurd. I got, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to get a new, like a new platform. Because I can't just not have MLB network. And... The other part is, I can't just like, oh, okay, well, I'll just buy MLB TV because can't watch the White Sox for blackouts, which is absolutely ridiculous. So like, I'm That's what rid- kills it, the blackouts. Biased. Blackouts yes, are it's, awful. Well, it's ridiculous. I can't even, I can't get MLB TV because it's pointless. Actually, it's not pointless when I'm in Wisconsin. If I'm in Wisconsin, I can watch the White Sox. But the second I go back home to Illinois, I can't watch the White Sox anymore. It's it's just dumb. I'm I'm which is where I'm you are for a majority of the season. Yes. So I like I'm banking on them gonna like that they're gonna make a deal at some point here. But if it comes to March and also like there's still not a deal, I'm probably gonna have to talk my family into buying a new live TV prescription like a prescription subscription. I'd recommend uh, Hulu Live. I have Hulu Live. Yeah, it's very nice. I'd recommend. Hulu would but, probably be the next one because we've cut the cable completely, so we're not going to yeah, get most, or something. Most have. Yeah. If you haven't it's by now. It's actually crazy how many, how many people don't have, have not cut the cable. Like in rural America, almost nobody yeah. has because like, Wi-Fi just doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, they're like. <laughs> they just don't have it out there. They're so far they behind. They, put they the still have music. They still have Musical.ly wow. and Vine back there. <laughs> they put the antenna on a cow and they just have them walk around until they find something. And All right, sit, boy. That's how we're watching TV today. Good old Bessie's out in the field. She found a good spot. CBS even, is available. 
even I have T-Mobile and you do like T-Mobile Tuesdays, you get free MLB network still blacked out. You can't watch anything. Like so the blackouts ridiculous. are just so bad. The NFL so doesn't bad. even do that. You can watch a Bears game here, home, anywhere. They, if anything, they yeah. encourage you to watch it more because they don't black it out. They put it I, on more the, channels and stuff. I, I guess I haven't done enough research. Is the point of it to try and get people to go to the games? I think it might be to get by extra innings. MLB extra innings. Because that has every game. Oh, no, there's no blackouts, I don't think. There might be, actually. But I don't... But like, what's the point of it? Like, if I live an hour away from the stadium, or an hour and a half away from the stadium, I'm probably not just going to get up and go to the game. Like, I, it's, it's a plan. Like, you plan it out. Like, it's a big ordeal. Yeah, if I live in whatever... Um, Bridgeport, like I can probably just go. You know what? Like, I'm not doing anything. I'm going to the game. Sounds good. I'm an hour and a half away. It's not reasonable. Just like, yeah, I'm going to go to the game. All of a sudden, like I have to plan. Like, I guess a whole trip planned out. There actually are blackouts. Out. There are blackouts in Xfinity too. I just looked. So yeah. What's so, the point? is it supposed to try and get people to go to the games? Is that the whole point? Like the owners are just like, yeah, black them out so we can get people to go to the games. It's I have no bad. idea. Whatever. I don't get it, but that was the other big news. That's more personal to me because I have YouTube TV, so I'm a little bit butthurt because I literally don't have access to Major League Baseball's flagship channel now, which is whatever, cool, not really, but I don't know. And then speaking of blackouts and regional stuff, uh, Jim Bowden released a hypothetical geographic realignment when, if these new expansion cities are added. This has been a hot topic about realignment with these new additions of these teams because now all of a sudden you can't have the three of five anymore. You automatically have to have, you know, an, an odd-numbered division, which was the case in baseball for a little while when Houston was in the NL Central, and then they moved them to the AL, AL West. So I like the idea of an alignment, a realignment. I'm not a huge fan of Bowden's because I like the ALNL still. I like the idea of American League National League, especially if there's universal DH. Like, who cares? You know, like let like let the AL and NL be separate because I think that's a cool aspect of the sport. Like American League National League, you have those rivalries and stuff. But dude, some of those divisions are electric. A Nashville electric. team would be so sick too. Yeah, and I think Nashville's the one that I like. I don't think Charlotte, though. I think oh. it'll be Portland. Our minor league team would be screwed then. They would lose all yeah. their fans. I think it'll be Portland. Yeah, Seattle's struggling. They don't have an NBA team. Well, and and I they have the Mariners, I but... Portland's going to go to Vegas. But that's, that's Oregon. Wait, am I an idiot? Is that Oregon? Yeah, oh, Portland's shoot, I'm Oregon. stupid. <laughs> good, well, yeah, the North, the Northwest in general. The Northwest in general is not, much, not, yeah. not good, no. There's not much they don't have there. much. They have the Seahawks. Yeah, so, exactly. So I think I think that's pretty much makes it. a lot of sense there. Which then I think instead of doing like the Pacific Coast, you'd probably do like the like the Northwest kind of. And you would just do like you know Vegas, San Fran, Seattle, and the Portland team. I, Vegas? I yeah. I mean I I don't probably, I mean, probably makes the sense. most northwest team. But no, some of the, that that Midwest division is absurd. Cubs, White Sox, Brewers, Twins, toxic. 
Did you see the Mid Atlantic? The Mid Atlantic would be the Orioles and expansion team, the Pirates and the Nationals. Yeah, that's a bad. That's that's, a, that's, a, a, that's the Orioles would walk away with that. As of right now, yeah. I I I I just can't. How cool that Midwest division would be: Cubs, White Sox, Brewers, Twins. I don't know if you can think of a more toxic division. A lot of yeah, no, so many rivalries Cubs, on so many I, levels. It would be way cooler if somehow you could take out the Twins and put the Cardinals. I think Ooh. that would be electric, but I also see why the Cardinals would be. Yeah, there. I'd want another American League team mm-hmm. in there with us. I think us. the Cardinals make sense. And plus, I think Cardinals and Kansas City together is a, is a good combo. That's a pretty like yeah. old rivalry, like an old right. rivalry. So I, like, I get that. I just think Cubs-Cardinals, Cubs-Brewers, White Sox-Cubs, White Sox-Brewers. Like, I think those would be cool. But having it's White all Sox around twins, very cool. White Sox-Twins, toxic. Cubs, White Sox, toxic. Cubs, Brewers, toxic. Like, oh, I could just. And then you go to the East. Did you see the East one? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh my god, Red Sox, Mets, Yankees, Phillies. Oh my, Dude. just a culmination of all oh. the worst fans in baseball. It's incredible. All like, of them. Oh all my god, it's incredible. And you would just see like, like Braves fans just smiling, like so happy, and all the hatred. Oh, exactly. it's incredible. Like Red Sox, Yankees, obviously, and Mets, Phillies, obviously, like two good ones. But then you throw in Yankees, Mets. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Let's the let's Red- break it down, but from a fan standpoint, you have Philadelphia Phillies who are just the meanest people on planet Earth. Awful. You have the New York Yankees where I mean, do they even have a fan base? I mean, you just slick your hair back, wear a wife beater with a Yankees jersey over it and a backwards hat, something like that, and a big gold chain. Yeah, you, and follow, you, follow, say, you say, where's, below and just, yeah, where's the gobble ghoul? You got the Mets, who are just miserable, just miserable fans. Themselves. And then you have themselves. the Red Sox, who just antagonize Yankee fans, like just... Also really brutal fans. But like, those are like yes, the most very brutal mean. Like, New yeah. York fans, never satisfied. Hate, like just the crime like rate at MLB fields would be at an all-time high if those four were in a division <laughs> together and played each other as many times. And like solely, solely times because one person would be like, hey, red shots fucking blow. And then just <laughs> for like an hour. It's the absolute madhouse. Oh, be, the Philly, oh, Philly fans are nuts too. I'm, I am would division. be terrified to go to any Philly sporting event not rooting for one of their teams. What's the most insignificant division there, other than the Mid-Atlantic? <laughs> kind of the North. I was going to say the, the North, North, too. Is, like, I was going to say the North, too. The Southeast would be dope, because they for people that can't see, it's the Braves, Marlins, Nashville, Rays, so like young talent, exciting. The North is just blah. The Reds, Guardians, Tigers, Blue Jays. Blah. I think you could make the argument that Pacific Division is rough too. Like Rockies, not not even just like right now with the talent. Just talking like fan bases, like intrigue levels, like national perspective. Rockies, yeah, A's, Atlanta, Mariners are fun now because they're fun, like they're back. And the Giants are, yeah, like whatever, you know, like cool. The the North is like eating cardboard. Yeah. It's like you take communion. It's just <laughs> it, communion. Like, it's as flavorless as it's eating baseball, cardboard. So it's it's like yeah, it's baseball. It's all it's like you know it's it's cool, but it's also like it tastes like nothing. 
Yeah, Guardians. like the Reds and the Reds and Guardians playing each other. Like, oh, Play, players oh, as food. The North oh. is, is communion. <laughs> oh my God, the Blue Jays are playing the Tigers today. What a right! Oh, oh. Yeah. everybody Guardians. get riled up for that. And that one's gonna be crazy. Yeah, Reds Tigers, <laughs> the newest rivalry. <laughs> America Park's gonna be stacked with Blue Jays fans from the border. It's gonna be wild. You know, Cincinnati and Detroiters really get after when they go get together. Yeah, they're just Bars like... Bars are going to run out of alcohol down in Detroit. And the Red just like, show up. The most exciting thing that would happen at any of those games is just the arson being committed in Detroit, like outside the stadium. That's probably like the, the, the most important thing that's going on in any of those games. Spencer Tarkleton hits a home run. Look at the fireworks. Nah, someone just burned the house down. <laughs> Here goes another man in house. Yeah, to the ground. Some, yeah, someone just didn't shut off the crack machine. Yeah, they, they, they <laughs> did not, didn't turn it off. I know that much information from watching Eight Mile. They just burned down one of the abandoned houses. <laughs> Every but time it actually just, just wait till someone hits a home run. Like, all right, so yeah, we'll, yeah. They just throw like the the Molotov in there. <laughs> They put some gas on the house and throw oh, the Molotov in there. Like I think there's, you definitely do some readjusting to those. Like I, Midwest is cool. I'm good with that. Southwest yeah. Astros, Royals, Cardinals, Rangers. Like I like that. Astros, Rangers, both in Texas. Royals, Cardinals, both in Missouri. Like I like that. Um, East, dope, love it. Southeast, really cool, big fan. I would say, I would say it'd be better. To put the Pirates instead of the Blue Jays in that North division. But then you can't really call it the North because how can you put the team in the Toronto in the Mid-Atlantic? So I don't yeah. know. I think you could rearrange <laughs> it to make better names. I think at one point... I, you know what? Hold on. Let me... Give me like a second. Northeast. Yeah. Let me... Are you looking, what are you looking for? I think at one point in my notes... I made like a like a division alignment. Like you I'm made serious. your own? Yes. Your, I think your own idea for it? Yes. I don't know where I put it, though. You honestly would probably have to break up the East Division. It's just too stacked. Red Sox, Mets, Yankees, Phillies. Yeah. That one would have to be split up, probably. Maybe. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know where I put it at. I did it one at one point, so now I can't find it, which is kind of sad. But it is what it's it okay. Is. I believe yeah, you. That was a, that's yeah. It was whatever. Like he was probably the greatest one ever assembled. You know. It's probably the one that they're gonna do. Yeah, it'll actually be the one they do, and then I'll take credit for it because they went into my notes, stole it, and then deleted it, so I couldn't find it anymore. So I can't take credit for it. That's what happened. In case you're wondering, setting it out there now, big time. Uh, but yeah. Oh yeah. And last thing, uh, White Sox big acquisition. Not really, but Franklin German, German. Herman, I don't. I'm guessing Herman. I couldn't really tell you how to pronounce it. There's German, maybe. German. German. Franklin German. Herman. The G is silent. He's got a. He's got a leg up on. Franklin. One leg up on Franklin Finland. So. Uh, yep. But yeah, Frank Franklin German will cry by the White Sox. They traded Theo Denlinger, in, in the, the trade. I don't really know anything about this guy. You know, he had a pretty good year in the minor. I think he was the minor league pitcher of the year for the Red Sox. Eleven point six K per nine, point nine WHIP, sub three in the minors for the Red Sox last year. I love the move. I love the move, and I love the move 
because this is how you build a bullpen. You don't Wait. sign guys for millions of dollars a year in the most volatile area of the sport. What's the word that's that starts with D? The, the D word that the White Sox don't does know? Does it, it end in F? It does end in F. It's depth. Is it? Is it depth? Oh my God, it's depth. Even, even losing our best reliever in Liam Hendricks, we, I'm still most comfortable with the bullpen over any other position right now, I'd say. Reynaldo Lopez is going to fill that role perfectly. I think he was locked down all last year, and he's just only getting better every single year. So I'm not worried at all. But, yeah, see what happens when you actually have depth at a position and people get hurt or – in Liam Hendricks' case, sick, and we have people to back it up, and there's no problem about it, and we're still good. So, who who would have thought though? Like building depth. It's <sighs> not. And it's not even about that. It's about like, the money aspect. If you're an organization like the White Sox, who refuses to spend big money on players, but at the same time is willing to throw millions here and millions there at depth relievers, you're wasting your money. I'm not saying Joe Kelly is not a serviceable receiver, receiver reliever. I'm not saying that Kendall Graveman isn't a serviceable reliever. I'm not saying Jake Diekman isn't a serviceable reliever. Like, they're all very serviceable. But you start stacking up the money that you pay Graveman, which is like $8, 9000000 million a year. You start stacking the money you're paying Kelly, which is like $7 million a year. Then you throw in the $3 million that you're paying of Diekman. All of a sudden, that's $20 million. And you can probably get a similar production – or similar attributes, whatever you're looking for, by making moves like this. Let's trade for depth. Let's trade for high upside guys. If they don't work out, cost us $700,000. And a player that probably wasn't going to make it to the big leagues for us anytime soon, no big deal. We'll go on to the next guy. It doesn't cost us $7 million if it doesn't work out. Plus, now you just freed up $20 million to go sign a real, like a, a game changer. Not a guy that comes in in the sixth inning in a four-run game like Joe Kelly does. So this is how you build a modern bullpen. You look at the best teams in the sport. Look at Houston. Who's Houston paying in that bullpen? I think they they, they just signed Rafael Montero to a big deal. And I think Presley has like a, a decent deal. But they got Presley pretty cheap. I'm, I'm truly shocked they even signed Montero to it, an extension. But look at their bullpen. Like that's a bullpen built on... Young guys, guys that took chances on. The reason Montero was there in the first place is a guy that took a chance on. Look at look at the Dodgers. Right? Look at look at what the Dodgers did. They had Kenley back there for a long time. Aside from their one big guy that they paid, like the White Sox with Liam. Look at look at what they did. Young guys. Guys from their system. Guys they went and took a chance on. Depth pieces that they let develop and grow and they, they put time and effort into. And then when it was time for them to go get a big contract, thank you for your service. It was great having you around. But, you know, we're going to move on to the next guy. Look, successful organizations do that. That's what they do, right? And unless you're the Mets, you're like, you know what? Diaz, pay him. Adovino, pay him. Like, unless you're a team like that, that can just be like, whatever, whatever you want, we got it. That's how you build a modern bullpen, by going and creating depth and taking chances on guys. And if they work, here's a guy that costs us $700,000, and he's a really great great bullpen piece. And now we have money to go spend in other areas, like second base, right field, starting pitcher, things of that nature.
So I really like that move. I think that's a, a step in the right direction. He's not the only move they've made for a reliever this offseason like that, where they started, they're taking a, an upside play on some guys. They went and got the guy from the Giants, remember, in, like, in December. Like, those are really positive moves that, I, that as an organization, yes, I like the direction of that. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, like I said, builds the depth, and that's what we need because apparently we have the worst athletic trainer in the world. So we can't keep people healthy. And so it's just a big move for us to stay healthy and have a lot of guys that can go out there and compete and win innings. And that's what we need. So hopefully that can back up our lack of some positions, which are obvious. I don't have to name and maybe back up our whole of a fifth starting pitcher too. So I'm not saying it's the answer to everything, but the depth is definitely a good thing. 100% agree. So that's basically the news in baseball. We took that a little bit longer than we normally do, but we also haven't talked to you guys in a while, so letting it eat a little bit today. We're going to let that roll over into our first segment of the day, which is our NL East preview, continuing our previews of every division in baseball. Let's hit it. We are back with another division preview. Me and Will head out east. I know, beast, which is looking like the mightiest division of all divisions in the sport. You could make the argument the AL East, but and I'm taking the NL East right now. Those top three are looking furious. The Marlins are not a bad baseball team. They're just not at the level of the top three. And obviously the Nats got some stuff to work through, but woo, the top of that division is looking nasty will early thoughts on the nl beast well bo they're not called the nl beast for nothing i think they have three three playoff teams in their division plain and simple can't see it really going any other way it's just a matter of fact of who's going to be one um in my opinion i think it's the braves i think they have I I love the Braves. Even losing Dansby, I like them. What do you think? I'm I'm a big Brave. I got I've been a Braves guy like every year. I mean, I'm I've been on them since like 2020. I'm like Braves, 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 Braves. Even last year when the Mets got big, I was like, I'm, the Braves are still winning this division. Not this year. Not this year. I'm I'm taking the Mets. I'm riding with the Mets. I I rode with the Braves last year. I didn't think the Mets were ready. I think they made add a bunch, made a bunch of trades, made a bunch of additions, like got better, but they weren't ready. They're ready this year. I got the Mets out one. I think the Mets are one year away. Not this year, but the Still next year they will. More? I think, yeah, a lot of new guys. I don't know if a lot the of Mets new guys. Have, I don't know if the Mets can be one year away. Like I don't, I don't think they can. Like I think they have to be this year. Like Verlander is aging. Scherzer is aging. Quintana is not young. Like this, they they don't have time to be. I think they got one more in them, though. They have to win it this year. They got one more in them, just like Vince Carter said. Even if it's it's close at the at the deadline, like they're gonna make moves. Like they're gonna go all in. Like 
like a Brian Reynolds move at the deadline or, you know, going out and getting an ace pitcher. And like they, they will make that move because they are going to be like, this is the year. I think, I think, I don't know. I think it'll be very close. Like, I think they're both going to be hundred win teams. I'll say that. I think, I think it might, what, you have three and 90 plus. Win yeah. hundred percent. I think it'll be separated in first place by less than five games on who's first and who's second place. I think, so it's not really saying much to say the Braves are going to be in first. That's just my opinion. I think that the Braves will beat the Mets more times in the regular season. But, yeah, obviously they're both going to make the playoffs most likely. And then at the bottom of the division, it's a little – it's very sad down there. You have the Marlins and the Nationals who are both rebuilding. The Nationals, very – it's going to be a tough year. I mean, plain and simple. They got They got some – they got some young guys in the works. They got um, what's his name from the Padres last year? Um, C.J. Abrams. I'm very excited about him. Big C.J. Abrams guy. But I think the Braves pitching is going to be good. They got Max Freed, Spencer Strider, big Spencer Strider guy. I am. Yeah. So, yeah, and I'm not going to sleep on the Phillies either. I think they're a 90 win team. Just not enough to compete with those other two in the regular season. But that's. Not to go to say that they won't, they can't beat them in the playoffs because obviously anything could happen in the playoffs. It's who at first win four or three games. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's, I got Braves first, Mets second, Phillies three, and then the bottom two. I'd probably take the Nationals last and the Marlins fourth. What do you got for that? I feel bad for Washington because I don't think I feel so bad. I don't. They're not the worst team in the sport. No, like they might have the worst record in the sport because they just they can't match up with those three teams and they have to play them a combined you know thirty nine times. So I, I I really like they're I think they're better than Oakland, right? Like I think they're probably better than Detroit. Yeah, I'd they're say probably, but they're probably they're better. They're definitely better than Colorado. Like they're not the worst team in the sport by any means. But they will have the worst schedule and probably might, they might have the worst record. Um, yeah, for I'm sure. Shakya, that I have the Braves as my third team in the NL East. I think the Phillies get second. I don't I, know about that. That offense, that offense is absurd, dude. I mean, you go one through nine. Like their worst hitter is Brandon Marsh, right? And he's he's not bad. Like he's their worst. He's their worst hitter, right? Like you go you go one one through nine. Turner's your leadoff guy. Top two shortstop in the sport. Schwarber is your two hitter, who is like probably the third best pure power hitter in the sport. Bryce Harper, top five player in the sport. Four hitter is probably Real Muto, who is a top two catcher in the sport. Your five hitter is Reese Hoskins. Top 10, 15 first baseman in the sport. Like, he was on the top 10 list, so let's call him top 10 first baseman in the sport. Uh, your six hitter, your six hitter is Nick Castellanos. That's your six hitter. Maybe it's, it might even be Bone. Like, those guys are studs. Like, you're talking about six, seven being Castellanos and Bone. Those guys are studs. And you throw in Brandon Marsh and then Bryson Stott. Who might be one of the next up and coming middle infielders in the sport? Like that offense is ridiculous, and then you still have two top tier aces at the front and your bullpen. Their bullpen got better. They had Gregory Soto and 
So Anthony Domingo is going to come back, some come back with a vengeance, and Alvarado is still like they're they probably have the they have the two hardest left-handed throwing relievers in the sport in Soto and Alvarado. Sir Anthony is nasty. Like I, I'm a big fan of the Phillies. I think they're better than Atlanta. I think Atlanta might grow as the year goes on and become a much more dangerous playoff team than the Phillies are. But man, that Philly—you added Turner to an already loaded offense that we got to see play out big time in October. I love the Phillies. So I'm going to go Mets 1, Phillies 2, Braves 3, uh, Marlins 4, Nats 5. 4 and 5 to give me. I have the exact opposite opinion on that. I think the Phillies start out very slow. I feel like their lineup at the start of the year is going to be very streaky. They might have some injuries. But at the end of the year, they're going to get insanely hot. Winning... You think so? Four or five games in a row, losing one, winning four or five in a row again. I think they just start out really slow for some reason. I don't know why. Just that intuition in me just tells me that they're not going to start out as hot as most people think. But then they're going to start putting it together at the end of the year, kind of like they did this past year. And they're just going to get super hot. But I think the Braves overall throughout the season will be more consistent. But, I mean... Like, you know, this division, anything can go. So, and yeah. really, it doesn't matter who finishes where as long as you're in the playoffs. The only thing it means is home field advantage, and that really doesn't do a huge amount when it comes to just playing the game. So, it'll be interesting to see. I think the Mets are the Mets are definitely my two team, though. I don't – not there's they have so many big names, but I just don't know how they're going to all mesh together. That's just my thing. I just don't know. Never seen any of these guys play together, so it'll just be weird for me. But they haven't really like identified themselves as their type of team. Like, are they a power team? Are they a contact team? Are they all going to rely on pitching? Do they do it all? Who knows? We don't know. We haven't really seen all these guys play together. It'll be very interesting, though, and I'm excited yeah. for this division because there's very so much talent. And, you know, like, that's a good point. And like I, that obviously in today's modernized game, like. Things like leadership and character often don't get talked about. It goes a lot farther than people think. It's way deeper than people think. And obviously, we play college baseball, so we get how important that is inside of a clubhouse, inside of a locker room, inside of a team, right? And I get what you're saying about the meshing part, but if there's ever a group that can mesh, like, look at the leadership on that team. Like, Buck Showalter. Harold is one of the best leader of men in the sport. Justin Verlander. People flock to that guy. I love Verlander. You, you don't see anybody that doesn't want to be around that guy. Scherzer, complete psychopath, but like, that nope, like when he's not pitching, like, people are like, oh my God, he's nuts. Like, he's like just the craziest teammate, like, craziest dude. Lindor, fantastic leader. Like, again, another guy that's been heralded as like, what a great leader that guy is. So I get what you're saying about the meshing part, but you're talking about four top-tier, respected people in the sport that lead. which makes That's why I think it's going to be a problem, thing. though. There's going to be too many guys trying See, to be the I top know. dog. They're going to step on each other's and toes. Scherzer, and Scherzer and Verlander have played together before. They know each other. I don't know. I, I think it's just going to be a lot of big personalities, and I think they collide a little bit. And I, who knows how much effect that actually has on their playing, but just overall, not even just personality-wise, but Talent-wise, I don't know how it's all going to mesh together. Obviously, they could just win 179 games or whatever. Like, who knows? But yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm 
it's not that I think they're not bad. It's not that I think that they're bad or that I'm not sold on them. I am, but I just don't know how well they're going to complement each other and that stuff just playing wise. Yeah, and you know what? We're going to have so much time during the year to talk about Mets, Braves, Phillies because they're obviously going to be – like, they will be good. It just depends on spurts and stuff like that. So I want to take a quick second and just talk about the Nats because we're not going to talk about them much once the season gets going. We're not going to talk about them much preseason because they're just, it's just not, a, not a good baseball team. But I, I kind of want to highlight them a little bit because there's some kind of cool stuff about the Nats this year, right? Like – they're going to be bad, and we know they're going to be bad, and they're in the best division in baseball. But there's some, like, important stuff to look at. Like, is Abrams a shortstop? Like, is he your franchise shortstop? Is Kiebert Ruiz your franchise catcher? Is Victor Robles a franchise center fielder? And not just for the Nats, but, like, in terms of baseball, right? Like, the Nats pulled off two of the biggest, most important trades of the last decade with the Soto trade and then the Turner and Scherzer trade. Like, you're trading these young stars. Well, not, not in Scherzer's case, but in Turner and Soto. These young stars, right, you're trading them. Does trading these young stars for young prospect capital allow you to rebuild and grow and, ch- and take a different direction as an organization? Or are we going to see teams get scared away from it? Because examples like the Nationals don't work. Trading away a guy like Soto... You can actually, you can't replace him. You can't grow and rebuild your organization from the ground up. You have to build it off a guy like Soto. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's a really big underlying aspect of the Nationals is, does that me- can that method work? Or is it, no, if you got a guy like Soto, he needs to stay on your team forever and you need to build around him. Whether or not he costs a bunch of money, whether or not you have good assets, whether or not you have good prospects coming up, doesn't matter. You have to build around him. But so those, like, Kieber... Right, like Abrams, those like Josiah Gray, Robert Hassel eventually when he gets the chance. Like those guys are important to watch. Good it's a, it's it's about the trend in the sport. Then they have some really cool bounce back candidates. Right? Like we saw like remember the White Sox going through the rebuild, we saw a bunch of guys that either were bounce back or young prospects that didn't that weren't making it. We see guys that get the opportunity to like revive their career. So just just go through a couple. Jimer Candelario. Big time Cubs prospect gets flipped to Detroit. Doesn't work there, so he gets you know non tendered. We're trying to revive his career in Washington. Can he do it? Can he be it? You know, let's see. Like cool revive story. He's only like twenty eight, twenty nine. Uh, Lane Thomas had a good year last year with them. Didn't make it in the Cardinal system. Got backed up with all those outfielders. Can he revive his career? Can he be an everyday outfielder or somebody? Dom Smith with the Mets. Was supposed to be one of their big time. Like, is he a first baseman? You know, and Pete Alonso comes up. Like, this guy's gonna be an outfielder in the future for us. Like, real stud. Didn't work. Gets non tendered. Gets a chance in the same division with the Nationals. Revive his career or not? Then look at a different angle. Nationals signed Jeter Downs. Jeter Downs was the bit one of the big guys that came over in the Mookie trade to the Red Sox. Didn't pan out. Can he revive his career? Carter Keyboom. Big time prospect for the Nationals who hasn't really gotten his chance. He hasn't really made the most of his chance yet. Can he revive his career? So I think there's like some cool little storylines in the Nats, right? Like nothing big, nothing World Series aspiration wise, but like some if different storylines of can you trade away your star players, get these humongous prospect calls back, 
and actually rebuild your organization and, and become a winning organization again. Like that's one big storyline. Does that module or that model, does that theory, can it work? Right? And then you look at like the bounce back guys, like a bunch of these guys, a bunch of guys who came up as high, high prospects or came up, you know, with big expectations that didn't make it. Can they revive their careers again? They were high pros, they were high rated prospects. They were big time prospects for a reason at one point. Can they revive? So I think the Nats have some cool storylines and we're not going to talk about them very much because they suck. But cool storylines that just heading into the year you can follow a little. Oh, always an interesting dynamic to bring in a bunch of guys with things to prove who have failed to do so in the past. So, yeah, definitely some individual storylines to be looking out for. I don't know about the whole collective team. I like Mackenzie Gore, too, a yeah. pitcher on their team who could – was it a very high-rated prospect? And uh, he's going to get his chance this year. So I'm Lots excited to watch him. him. Yeah, tons of yeah. things for him. Right then, yeah, yeah, like Strasburg and Corbin too. Like, right. Like, I think people just, forget they are going to suck. They're going to be really. I'm not trying to say they're going to be good in any way. Like, they're going to be really bad. But there's yes. just cool stuff. Like, remember, like the Dodgers when they came back to relevancy. What were some of the big reasons? Guys like Justin Turner, who revived his career. Max Muncie revives his career. Like, you look at some of these organizations, like. You look at the the uh, Red Sox when they made their big run. JD Martinez revived his career in Boston. Right, so they sometimes like this, this seems so insignificant, but one of those guys turning into an All Star again, or re- like getting back to this high prospect ranking, like earning that again, can change an organization. So I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm counting. I'm counting out the Nets very clearly, but I'm just saying I think there's some cool stuff to look at. Definitely safe to count them out. I'm very sorry, but it's very safe. One hundred percent counting them out. Do not take my word. Yeah. Say, Are you really saying that? No. Promise you, they will be horrible. Be one because they're not good anyway. Two, they play in the best division in the sport. They're just they can't keep up. But to just like just if you're bored one day, just like I wonder what Dom Smith is doing in Washington. That's a cool, st- like you know. I, just, I don't know. Like, keep up with it if you're a baseball fan that way. I think there's some cool stuff to look at in terms of what they're gonna do. I would say they have a less than one percent chance to make the playoffs, though. Significantly, <laughs> maybe even less than like, half of a percent. Sig- you could like Oakland has a low. much better chance to make the playoffs, and that's saying something because that's a really bad team. Also, yeah, yes. but, you know, we never talk about Sean Murphy with the with the Braves. Yep. Like, that was another thing. That's a big addition to them. They lost um, Contreras, right? They lost Dansby. They lost Contreras, but they got yep. Sean Murphy, right? And, like, Soroka should be back. Yep. Shortstop so will be big. a little bit of a question for them. You know Orlando you Arcia that. or Vaughn Grissom, they you said. You say that, it but, says. Like, you still look at their lineup. They're still Who's still good. Loaded. Yeah. They got still a good lineup. They got Freed, Spencer Strider too, like I said. Yeah, like that that line like I get the whole like oh Dansby, like he's gone. Like, Charlie yeah, Morton. That's a big loss, right? But that lineup is still good. Michael Harris. Yeah. Right? Like Matt Olson. And people forget about Matt. I forgot about Matt Olson for a second. Yep. Damn, Matt Olson, damn, like, he's a he's a real rock yep. solid dude. Very like, rock solid. Cunha, Riley, Darno. Like he's their DH probably because Murphy's the catcher now. Yep. Very exciting team. I think they'll be very good consistent, division. very consistently good. good. And sorry, yep. Marlins, like you guys are just really uninteresting. 
you know, like, besides Jazz and Johnny Cueto. Jazz, Jazz is cool. Like, Cueto's the <laughs> number two. <laughs> like, I, I love Cueto, but he's not a number two anymore. You know, like, he's just not. So, like, you're not really interesting. Like, Jazz will be fun to watch. Maybe J.J. Blade will, like, come up and do some cool stuff. Like, hopefully he takes a step for you. Uh, Sandy is obviously cool. Like, really fun to watch. Maybe Ari Perez takes a step and becomes Edward Cabrera. I don't know, but like you're not you're not very fun. Like you just yeah, very, sorry. <laughs> you're, like you're like the definition of mid this year. And I'd say they're worse. Some, they're a little worse than mid. Yeah, but like the like the their attention, like the like the intrigue is mid. Like it's not like like they're like kind of like there's some fun there, but like overall, it's just yeah. Not. They'll probably win like sixty five games if I had to guess. Yeah. That sounds like about a reasonable 65 to 70 in that range, yeah. Yeah, somewhere around there. They won't lose 100, but they certainly won't. They'll win. be a 90, yeah, 90 yeah. loss team, probably. Yeah, I agree with that. But that's our NL East Division preview. We're two thirds of the way there. We just got to go out west now. We'll hit the AL and NL West here in the coming weeks, and that'll be it for our division previews, which should lead us basically right into spring training. So good timing on that. And, uh, yeah, and at least one more time, I had Mets, Beast. Phillies, Braves, Marlins, Nats, and Will, you had? The NL Beast, I had the Braves, Mets, Phillies, Marlins, Nationals. Sorry, the last two. Yeah, You guys, I don't really care about you guys, yeah. to be completely honest. be your yeah. year, fellas. No, I probably, uh, I would... I would even say I care more about the Royals, which is really crazy. Like, I would rather watch the Royals play than either of you guys. No offense. Yeah, Except for when Johnny Cueto's pitching. I'll watch that. I'm a big Joey Manessis guy this year, though, just letting you know. Okay. I'm just, I mean, he's like 32 years old. Last year was like his rookie year, and he breaks. So I'm big on, big on Joey Manessis. He's like my Enrique Bradfield for this year. I'm going to ride or die by Joey Manessis. Fair enough. Just a big old... Burly white dude that just breaks. Old man, looks lumberjack. Like be, look like he should be shucking hay or something, and yeah. shucking corn, not not shucking hay. It's hard Chopping down hay. trees. Yeah, you bail, you bail hay. Yeah, you don't, you don't shuck hay. Yeah, you shuck corn. Yeah. Tough. Yeah, that that flew over my head. I, if you didn't correct yourself, I would have never known. So. Uh, you got hey, honesty, right? Like you gotta laugh. Yeah. Gotta yep. Yeah, gotta laugh for yourself. I love that. Yeah. So. That's our that's our NL East Division preview. We're gonna kick it over to our guy Kevin Brown, talk some Orioles and a lot more. We got an awesome guest for our Chalkline Talk podcast listeners today. We bring back Kevin Brown broadcaster for the Baltimore Orioles alongside his role at ESPN where he covers a variety of, of college sports. Uh, Kevin, fantastic to have you back on. Good to see you again. Bo, well, good to see you guys. Absolutely. I, I mean, I remember last time we I, I had you on and I got to talk with you. You were It was 2020, right? And COVID was happening. and you I were definitely just, don't remember anything you know, that happened in 2020, but I, I believe know. you. And you. It was like one of your first – Maybe not your first, but early on, one of your earlier on broadcasts with the Orioles, mm-hmm. right? Like you were just kind yeah, of. Yes, so that, that was my second year, 2020, and just mm-hmm. filling in at the time. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, you were doing radio, and it's like, oh my god, he's gonna be on mass, and he's gonna get the cover. It's really cool. And we, we talked through that, and now here you are, right? Like you are the lead guy in the Orioles booth, alongside you know Jim and Ben. I mean, man, tell like your story is incredible. Like you're here now. Like, and obviously there's more room to grow all, all, all the time, but you're here now. Tell us about this this story, your journey, and you know how amazing it is to be where you are now. Uh, it's amazing to be calling games with Jim Palmer and Ben McDonald. That's for sure. Uh, it's, like I think with all of these um, journeys, and it's not just me; it's everything in life. You have to be good, and you have to be lucky. Um, I've worked hard at it, but I, you know, it's really lucky. I probably told you guys in twenty twenty that I was only at the Orioles because I had a chance to do some fill in work when I was in Triple A in twenty seventeen. I was with the Nationals Triple A affiliate. I filled in; it went well. The people at Masson knew me. Masson Television Network for both the Nationals and the O's. So two years later, they they just um, you know they basically gave me a leg up because I had been in the system. And 2020 did about half the games uh, for the Orioles that year. It was Scott Garso doing the main TV play-by-play. Gary Thorne had been doing it for a long time. And then Gary didn't return in 2021. So Scott took over the lead TV role. I got to expand my TV portfolio. And then it went well. And, I mean, I was, again, be good and be lucky. Um, Just right place, right time kind of situation. They were looking for for somebody to, to fill in a little more full time. And I think I did about 125 games last year. Probably do that again. It's great. I mean, I get to go to work and talk baseball with a hall of famer and a first overall pick. I'm like two dudes that, that don't take that for granted and put in the work and study. And there are a lot more great people around us, but when you start with Jim and Ben, that's a pretty top line highlight. So, yeah. um, I'm lucky. I'm lucky because I I will put those two up. Maybe this is my bias, but I watch a lot of baseball. I'll put those two up against any other group of analysts in the league. I really will. 100%. And you're like, you talked about, you were in Syracuse for a while and you kind of got some opportunities there to do TV and, and radio and you get to where you're at now. How does that parlay with doing a completely different sport or even more completely different sports for a completely different network where you're talking about working with different analysts all the time. Mm-hmm. And like you might have, you might have one guy on a, on a Saturday while you're working at, you know, a Texas tech Baylor game. And next Saturday you're, yeah. you're covering Michigan state, Maryland with another analyst. So how does that, how does that work from you? You sit down for, here's my 130 games. I'm going to get Jim and Ben for at least probably a hundred of those. And maybe someone's thrown in there. One of the guys yeah. who's to make it to I could have somebody brand new who I've vaguely met and have they have a completely different set of skills as an analyst. How does that translate? First of all, is this on video too? Because there's a lamp over my shoulder. It's really distracting me right now. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, you could t- you can move the lamp. You'll yeah, be moving, right. I don't know if this is audio, podcast, or video, but people are going to see just a lamp sticking out of my shoulder. <laughs> I was taught in, um, in, in school when I took a, a video journalism class to um you know when you're framing the shot not frame it like when you're doing a report to where your head is uh right in line with a tree because then it looks like a tree sticking out of your head (laughs) anyway so now there's no lamp on my shoulder there you go i i think that's part of the fun i think working with different people is part of what 
what gets me excited about this job. It's part of what gets me jazzed about going to work every day. Um, there's nice, there's a nice aspect to the consistency of, of Jim and Ben, but I also love working with different people and, and trying to, um, find what makes different people tick. That's fun for me. I, I'm an extrovert. I'm very much a people person. I, I like spending some time with a new analyst at shoot around or at lunch before the game and try to get to know them, trying to see what, what drives their interests. And then the more you work with somebody, the more you can figure out their strengths on air, you know, basketball. Uh, I do college basketball for the network. And one of the main analysts I work with is a guy named Mark Adams, who's been with ESPN for a while. He was a lower level coach and Mark is one of the, nicest best friendliest people in the world he's he's one of the most enthusiastic people in the world he goes by the name enthusiasms he he is an amazing storyteller and mark is somebody who's capable of breaking down a, a, a situation with x's and o's but he's better at getting to know coaches getting to know kids getting to learn their stories and having that information so when you come out of a break and kendrick davis just made a big play for memphis you know to tee up Mark on Kendrick Davis's story and how Kendrick Davis was in all these different schools and had all these issues growing up as a kid and how he's overcome so much to get to where he is today. And I work with Robbie Hummel a lot and John Crispin and Robbie and John are a little bit more traditional in terms of like, I'm going to break down why Kendrick's been successful today. I'm going to break down why Kendrick has, um, you know, excelled in this pick and roll. Um, but then John is different from Robbie too. John sees the game in a lot more of a philosophical way. So I, I kind of let him roll a little bit and pick my words a little more carefully because I have, you know, I have to get in and out at different times. Um, that's fun. I, that's, cha that's, that's challenging and it's a good challenge. And I don't want to be, and maybe at some point I will, but I don't want to be somebody that just does one sport with the same people all the time. I like yeah. doing basketball. I like doing football. I like doing softball. I, I just like meeting different people and getting different perspectives. And I don't know. That's what makes it fun for me. Um, there's something to be said for consistency. I wish I had consistency in my life more <laughs> often. My schedule's a mess. And I'm, in a couple of weeks, I think I've got a stretch where I'm, I'm away from home for 10 days doing basketball and then spring training baseball and then basketball again and different conferences and different analysts it can be crazy but um but i i also kind of wouldn't have it any other way i like the, i like the challenge of it that's that's what gets me going before we shift over real quick to the baltimore to the orioles talk i'm up i'm a big like diehard purdue basketball fan so i, I saw you give a little robbie fist bump i robbie's my guy <laughs> how big is zach Eady? Oh my God. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He's so big. And the Purdue game I had this year was at Minnesota and, and the The court, yeah. The court is elevated in Minnesota, so you call the game below the floor. So he looks like he's about nine feet tall. <laughs> and Caleb first is six ten. Yeah, first is Caleb, huge. Caleb first stands next to Zach Eady. He looks like he's six one. Um I'm I've seen that tall. I, I, I covered a lot of Taco Falls games at UCF. Yeah. I think he's listed a little bit taller than Edie. Edie just has a, more of a presence because his game is so polished. It, it almost makes him look and feel bigger. He is 
he is unlike anybody I've ever seen. Truly, yeah, he's he's impressive. One question I've always had for play-by-play broadcasters is what is the research process like before a game, like preparing like your little cheat sheet for all the players and their stories and all that? Like how long does that process take you and what's that like? Uh, It's different for every sport. Football's really tedious. Um, I bet like 140 guys on a team. And people say that the NFL is a lot easier. I, I haven't done the NFL, um, but the NFL's 53 guys on a roster college football like the eighth receiver might catch a touchdown and you go well here's uh what's his name i don't know will summers he has <laughs> on the year and it was in week three like yeah <laughs> i i've started cutting back on, on some of that stuff a little bit um and just focusing more on on the players they're gonna make an impact because you can you can drive yourself crazy with college football there are just so many guys and I'd love to know something about everyone. But most weeks, <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about the backup left guard. I just, I just don't. The odds that that person is going to be impactful are pretty low, and there's a lot more you have to do. So for football, um, actually, I have it right now. This is on video. You said right? Yeah. All right. So I'll hold this up. This is just next to me. So football, I make my own boards um, using pages uh, on. On my uh, Mac. yeah, holy smokes! This is a legal size, so it's eight and a half by fourteen. So if if and that if thing is, is full, <laughs> yeah. If this is an audio form for those who can't see, uh, on the right side I have a column. I'll, I'll do an offense defense sheet. On the right side I'll have a column with big picture notes, head coach notes, and then some general notes on the run game, the pass game, the line, and then I'll make these boxes for every player. Um, the top of the box is number, name, position, height, weight, year, and hometown. And the second box is any stats. And then I'll go into the third and fourth boxes sometimes for personal notes. Sometimes with the offensive lineman, it's just two boxes. And then the quarterback usually takes up the whole left side of the page. Like this yeah. is John Rice Plumley for UCF. And then you flip over to the defense, same thing. I do it a little differently. I have the players numerically on the sheet. Most people have the board laid out with the quarterback in a certain spot and the running backs in another and the receivers in another. Um, for football, you use a spotter who's a, literally just a person who sits next to you and spots who makes the catch, who makes the tackle, who, who blocked the kick. So I have a spotter with a giant board. He's next to me and he points to bigger names and numbers on his own board. Um that way I don't have to worry about messing with positions on mine. I can just go numerically. And when he points to 18, I know where 18 is on my board. So football, it takes a while. Um, I, I, I never really know what a good number of hours is during the week. I mean, it could be maybe 20. I don't know. That seems small, but it seems big at the same time. Yeah. Football, you're watching back both teams' previous games. That takes a long time. You're reading through game notes. You have Zoom meetings usually with the away coaches, and then either Zoom meetings or in person with the home coaches. You try to talk to a couple of players. Um, a lot of good schools will put together a clips packet. So you have local journalism and any national stories on that team. That really helps you fill in some color. And then you want to go through the roster yourself and – you want to do some Googling yourself, try to pick up some stories that maybe didn't fit into the clips packet. 
Um, so that's football. Basketball is a lot simpler, and basketball is usually just a couple of hours per team. You know, watch the previous game again, go through the game notes. You're picking up information at shoot around. You're reading clips. I'll show up the video here. This is um, number Syracuse Georgetown game. So a lot of notes up top. I always want to know some things about what they did in their last game. Um, I always want to have some offensive and defensive ranks. And then I have just a box for every player, five lines to put some notes, stats on the right, highlight the uh, leaders and stats and goals. Uh, if somebody's second on the team in something, that goes in silver. I have some notes on any notable last game things. And then I color code it like a maniac, which I really, I probably should stop doing because I'm really just <laughs> driving myself crazy. Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen that from like, I, I think you did an interview, maybe, maybe just Orioles.com. I don't remember who it was, but they talked mm -hmm. about like, you are meticulous in your preparation. Like, and you feel like that's something that yeah. sets you almost not even apart, just make sure that you are always at your best because you are so consistently prepared and probably like you just said, maybe a little bit over-prepared, right? Yeah. I, I always try to be just because you never know. I mean, Syracuse, I, this is from the Syracuse Georgetown game I did. And um, like, I probably didn't need to put that John Bola Jacques, who was <clears throat> the eighth or ninth guy had a career high of three points. But he got a three-point play in the first half. And then I said, wow, with that play, he's tied his career high. <laughs> you know, just simple little things. You yeah. never know. Some days maybe it's 10% of the work you do. With football, it's usually more. With basketball, it's usually less. But it's, it, it's tedious. And um, it would be less tedious if I had somebody put the board together for me. You know, there are people, and I don't begrudge them, who, who have a service and they use the service and they'll get an outline of the chart delivered to them. And there are people like Sean McDonough who does that. Sean does an amazing amount of yeah. that. He says, I do this because I don't want to waste time on the heights, the weights, the names and the numbers. And I just want to watch the games and fill in notes and not have to worry about building it from scratch every week. Um, and Sean is incredible, and he's probably yeah. smarter than me, so I should listen to that. <laughs> I, I do it because I like to just get a sense as I type in, all right, Cameron Bergeron is number four. Now that's in my head. Six mm -hmm. feet, 177, that gets somewhere in my head. Albany, Georgia, that gets somewhere in my head. I think all of it, just by osmosis, goes into the brain somewhere. Um, yeah. Maybe one day I'll cut back, but, but for now I, I do take it pretty seriously. Any of that come from because, like, I personally, like, Will and I are both White Sox fans, mm -hmm. so and, and I've I've heard you broadcast and I've heard yeah. your style, and it is very similar to a guy that we are very fond of and we have talked about. We talked about last time, yeah, and Mr. Jason Bonetti. And you said that you got a chance early on in your career to kind of you know meet Jason a little, like, talk with Jason, you you've become friendly. Oh, he he hired me out of college. We did four yeah. years of minor league baseball together. Yeah. At, does does some of what you do now, some of your style, some of the way that that you you know show yourself on this stage, come from a little bit of Jason's style? Uh, no, I would say all of it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
it's hard not to when you spend four years with somebody. I guess if you spend four years with somebody and you go, well, that person is awful. I'm going <laughs> to mark down everything he does and then do the exact opposite. Exact opposite yeah. <laughs> but no, he's a brilliant person and he uses all these different color coded pens for baseball. Uh, I don't do that. I just do blue and black, but but a, a lot of what I do in my baseball scorebook is is based off what he does and the way that he prepares and can go beyond to find the next interesting thing beyond the obvious. I think that's always stuck with me and I think it will always stick with me. I, yeah, I mean, I pretty much learned how to do the job from him and that was the first professional job I had. So I didn't know really what I was doing and, the first job you have is sometimes the job that teaches you the most. It certainly was with him. Such a cool story on that. But speaking of baseball, now that we've kind of segued into it, Baltimore Orioles 2022 kind of came out and surprised everybody. And I don't know what the word was from inside the organization, but from a national perspective, that wasn't really expected. Now you go into 2023. I wouldn't say the expectations are insanely high, but they're higher from a national perspective, especially with the way that Adley played Gunner came up and now you have Grayson Rodriguez, who's hanging out there in the wings is potentially one of the best young pitchers in the sport. What are the expectations for this 2023 team from being a guy that is inside that organization? It's interesting because um, I think the, the, um, Preseason over-unders have started to come out. I think I saw the Orioles right around 77, 78 for one, which feels like a yeah. a, a real step back. And yeah. I can I can take a step back from my bias to say, okay, well, maybe the thought is uh, the Orioles had an incredible amount of health last year. They did not miss a lot of games to the injury. Unless they lost their best pitcher to Tommy John surgery, John Means after two starts. But yeah. But the bullpen was by and large healthy and the lineup was by and large healthy and maybe that doesn't happen again. Um, maybe there's a thought that a couple of teams in the division take a step forward. But I think you can just as easily argue the other side of it, which is full season of Adley Rutschman, who played, I think, 113 games last year. Full season of Gunnar Henderson, who played a month last year. Grayson Rodriguez should be in the opening day rotation. He's, he's never pitched in the big leagues. So those are your three top young guys right there. And you get full to close to full seasons out of those three. That should raise the bar for this team significantly. And the expectations in town reflect that. People are really, really fired up about this team. Um, those three are really exciting. There are other exciting young players that are very close. Colton Kowser, who was the team's first-round pick two years ago, should probably debut this year. D.L. Hall was the Orioles' first pick in 2017. He did debut last year, mostly in relief. Yeah. Um, he'll have a chance to win a, a spot in the starting rotation. And there are players in this team that should be hitting or right in the middle of their athletic prime in their mid-20s. Cedric Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Santander is in his mid to late 20s, had a great year last year. And you don't have to play 19 games against everybody in the division anymore. It's just 13. That should yeah. help. Uh, so, I, I, you know, the, the tenor here is 
um, let's get the scene of the playoffs. And and Mike Elias has leaned into that. Orioles general manager and Brandon Hyde, the Orioles manager. Uh, the Orioles had this big fan event last weekend, the Orioles caravan up and down the state. And Mike and Brandon were pretty explicit about it, that they feel like this is the first year where the rebuild is over and where the goal is now to get to the playoffs. Now it's hard. And the teams that made the playoffs last year, none of them in my eyes have taken a drastic step back in the off season. And I think some of them have gotten better. Um, it will be hard. And I think this is the first year in a while people will be genuinely disappointed if the Orioles don't make the playoffs. I think the organization, whether they make it or not, is in a really good place. And I hope people remember that because on every top 100 prospect list that came out in the past couple of weeks, the Orioles had mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine guys. And they are consistently seen as one of the top two or three farm systems in the league. So the goal is definitely the playoffs. People are starting to to use that word and they haven't used it around here in a long, long time. But I do think whether they make it or not, you know, whether Vegas is right or whether some, some folks around here are right, uh, the organization is going to be a really, really good place for a while. And, and the next couple of years, I think, are where you really start to see liftoff. But but the goal is the playoffs. And, I mean, just to hear people talk about that, whether they're going to make it or not, who knows. But to hear people talk about that again is, is a real thrill. That means that psychologically something's turned in this city. And for you as a broadcaster, Kevin, like you haven't had the experience of – right? you've been – the last few years where you've been doing this, you've been in Baltimore – the expectations were just a fun team, not a lot of expectation. Just watch these young guys play baseball. How does that shift for you now where you're no longer just broadcasting the fun young team who no one really expects to win? Now it's the fans are expecting to win. This yeah. The players are expecting to win. The organization itself is expecting to win. The national perspective is this team should start winning now. How does that factor into the way you call the game now? Because it's no longer just the fun team that, that no one really expects to win if they don't win who, you know, whatever, they weren't supposed to win anyway. Now there's like a, there's an expectation and there's there comes some frustration with losing, right? So how, how do you factor that in? How do you make that come out in your words and your call? I hope not much differently um, just because I, and I've always taken the job seriously, but I, I'd be lying if I said not differently at all. Um, I think I think my voice probably had a little bit more, or, or just a, a little bit different energy and excitement to it, you know, in July and August and September last year. Just like a degree of, I don't know, meaningfulness, if that's even a word. You still get excited. You still get up for big moments. I mean, I I'd still get up for walk off hits in twenty twenty one, but I probably got up from a little bit more last year. And yeah. How 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 my broadcast will be? I, I don't really know because I don't know how the season's going to go. Last year, April was a disappointing month, but nobody expected the team to be any good. So you could still find those special moments in April and the individual. This year, if the Orioles aren't good in April, people are going to be a lot crankier. Yeah, um, I hope I don't need to uh, to to know what that looks like. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, we got about like nine minutes left until Zoom decides that we no longer are able to support mm. uh, recording. So with that said, we're going to move into our little fun segment here that, that we do on every show that 
the first time we're going to do with the guests. So, Kevin, you are the guinea pig with this. Oh, boy. And this is called the Players as Food segment. So, typically, we'll either come to the show with prepared guys or we'll just do this weird wheel thing. So, Will, you think we want to do the wheel here? Yeah, we can do the wheel. That All sounds right. good. So, we're going to do the wheel. The wheel's going to spin. It's going to randomly land on one player. None of us have anything prepped for it, which makes it even more fun, I think. And we have to come up with a food that we think describes or embodies this player. So, Will, let's hit the wheel. Yeah, a lot of random players on this list could be anyone from Mike Trout to literally any player in the MLB. So, we'll see who we get here. So, first one, we got... Felix Bautista. <laughs> All right. Oh, that that's doesn't good. seem very random. That's a good That's a good thing. No, that was that was <laughs> yeah, that was completely random. <laughs> All right. Felix Bautista. Um, Kevin, you have the honor of either going first or going last. Wow. Um I think I hmm. I'm gonna go last. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Will, what do you want here? You want to go? Want me to go first? Be the. Yeah, you go first. Oh man, I take the first bullet. All right, Felix Batista. Let's try and contextualize this. So, absolutely humongous human being, who throws BBs. Um, you need you need something like an enormous yes it's just like big something that's super spicy like you can't be a jalapeno yeah you know like jose altuve is like a tiny guy with yeah that's a jalapeno pepper yeah i like kevin's line of thinking already this is really fast is like if if a if a new york strip was as hot as a jalapeno okay i don't know what food that is i'm gonna take that into account and i'm gonna go with a Chorizo styled pot roast. Mm. That's pretty good. That's what I'm, I'm going to go with. I'm going to take Kevin's words, embrace them, and then that's my answer. Well, I, I would just have to go with like a triple decker cheeseburger or something with some <laughs> like some pepper jack cheese, maybe something to give it a little flavor on it. Uh, just something decker. massive with a little spice or taste on it so yeah that that's what i'd go for like a triple decker cheeseburger with some pepper jack cheese on it yeah that's a solid answer right. uh one other thought is felix Bautista is known as the mountain so i'm thinking of what's a mountainous food so maybe like a giant lava cake you know like yeah. a hot okay. chocolate lava not cake. a bad one i like that and it's got it's got the heat just not in terms of spice yeah in terms of actual hotness yeah sort of a volcanic looking lava cake okay all right so Felix Bautista answers. We got chorizo style, like pork roast, uh, triple decker cheeseburger, and a molten lava cake. Mm-hmm. Very much variety there. Okay, Will, hit the second wheel. Okay. If this is Adley Rutschman, I'm telling you this. <laughs> no, no, no. It, I hope it won't be. I want it to seem The odds this is an Orioles player, again, will, it, there's no way. It's Jorge Soler. Okay. That seems oddly similar to Felix Bautista, though. Oh, okay. I have not. I have not seen enough Jorge Soler to make a judgment on what kind of food Jorge Soler is. <laughs> I'd have to leave this to you guys. Do you want to do a random spin? Uh, just 
bang that one and go to a different spin? Let's do it. Let's do a different spin, Will. Pick an, pick an Oriole or just pick a random Oriole. You want to do an Oriole instead? Yeah, then I'm otherwise then I have to All figure right. out um, um you know what like well, Rafael yeah. Montero is. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> um all right. Well we won't go Adley because you seem to have a you know you didn't want to do the Adley one. So we'll pass on Adley. And we will go. Let's see. Let's go Cedric. Let's go Cedric Mullins. Mm. Okay, I think Cedric's fair. And because Kevin required us to be an Oriole player, Kevin can go first. Okay. On you. So Cedric Mullins, um, shorter guy. He's something like 5'8". Um, packs a real punch with the bat. Um, very fast. So something that's going to be a little smaller, but that's going to um, work quickly and have a little bit a little bit more um a little bit more heavy of an aftertaste than you might think a little more powerful i i used jalapeno as an example for for jose altuve but i'm thinking i'm thinking something in that vein like a uh a small but powerful pepper something that hits you hard and hits you fast um you know maybe it's um maybe it's like a poblano pepper okay. or something like that too uh okay. is that hotter than a jalapeno i don't know i don't know I don't know which. I don't think. I know. I don't think it's hotter. I don't think a poblano. Then I'll then, then I'll then I'll then I'll just. I actually I'll think a po- I'm pretty sure poblano's bigger than a jalapeno. Actually. Okay. Um. Well, like something that's that's deceptive. I would say. So I think I think I will go with jalapeno because it's it, you know deceptive. It's small, but it packs a mighty punch. Okay. I see your jalapeno, and I raise you beef jerky. Hmm. Beef jerky in the sense that. Cedric is not necessarily considered a like top tier. Like when you think of like when you think of the best center fielder in the game, he might not be the first one to come to mind. But bag of beef jerky when you're when you're hungry looking for a snack, I don't know if anything hits like a beef jerky, right? It's unexpected. But when you're craving a beef jerky, man, a beef jerky hits. And Cedric's like that. Like you don't necessarily think of Cedric Mullins at the top of your head, and all of a sudden he comes and plays against your team in your city, and it's like whoa. That dude's, a, that dude's a stud. Same with beef jerky. You're not thinking about it necessarily as a snack. I like it. I like it. But hits. Yeah, I'm going to go with chicken tenders because, you know, you go to a restaurant, you don't know what to get. You can always rely that the chicken tenders are going to be good. And that's Cedric Mullins, you know, year in, year out. He's just proven, like you said, Bo, not really at the top of your head, but still always a good player. Always can rely on him. And that makes Austin Hayes the side of fries, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right, we got one minute left, so we'll do one more quick one. Let's do – Kevin, do you have a, pre- a preference here on a player? Hmm. No, I mean, you mentioned Adley. I feel like Adley's nickname is Captain America, so I feel like Adley is just like the most all-around solid all-American food you can get. A cheeseburger, like a really well-made cheeseburger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like Adley is just a classic cheeseburger. All he's right. not going to let you down. Well, what do you got for Adley? said this before as a, a very American food, but a bomb pop, like a red, white, and blue, um, lot a sucker, you know? Yeah. Oh, like, uh, you always see those being eaten on the 4th of July or some sort of like, yeah, it's a bomb pop. Yeah. <laughs> those are both, those are both pretty I good. Really I like to call him. Adley just like, I think Adley came up as like this really highly touted guy and all he's done is meet expectations. So I'm just going to call him like an expensive sushi, right? Like he, he came, like he was, Really highly touted, same way people highly tout like really good sushi places. places, And then 
you go there, and if it hits the spot, it's like, oh, my God, it met my expectations, which I think is yeah, I like that. So, all right. Well, that was a good Players' as Food segment. Kevin, you're the first one to ever do it with us. And thank you for coming on the show, man. I, you know, we had a great time talking with you about your career in the Orioles. And, um, you know, we're excited to, to listen to your broadcast and also excited to see what these Orioles have to offer us this year. So, Me too. Um, thank you again so much for coming on. Uh, we'll put out a poll so you won the Players' as Food. I'm sure I'll win. Okay. But – no you doubt. Know, it, is, it is what it is. But, Kevin, thank you again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having time. me, guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Game seven of the World Series. Bases loaded. But the game right now is at the plate. A lot of room in right center. The chance of a lifetime. Sitting on 7-14. She is gone!